We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. The first Republican presidential forum took place yesterday, and we aren't going to be talking about any of that with you. In fact, there was really only one presidential candidate in that forum, Ron DeSantis. The rest are maybe looking for book deals. Who knows? Today, we want to discuss the idea of whether or not Christians should flee godless states. And we will also clean up some news, uh, some news stories we missed over the last few weeks. And then we'll end with our Bible topic, our discussion on knowing sin. And we are keeping this episode, as promised, under an hour and 15 minutes. So let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And uh, if you're new here, you know, we like to make sure we let everyone know, don't let the name fool you. We ourselves are very Christian, very religious folks. Uh, but this world, and especially this country we live in, is not. Um, it's very secular, very religionless. And that, at least in part, is where the name comes from. So, we're going to do today what we try to do every Saturday, and that is uh, help Christians navigate this, again, secular, religionless world and, you know, try to do it in a way that's pleasing to Christ. That's our goal here. So we'll look to do that with these news stories. But before we get to any of that, uh, do you have anything you'd like to say? Prayer requests, praise reports? Yeah, um, just prayers for Spencer's sister uh, for recovery for her and her baby. I mean, babies usually recover well, but the mom... <laughs> yeah, they have nothing to recover um, from. C-sections are very hard recovery, I know. So yeah, just prayers for a good recovery, and they're also moving, like, in a week or two. <laughs> a yeah. lot going on, so prayers for their family. <laughs> yes, please pray for them. Um, as well, more healing um, prayer requests. So Andrew Rappaport, he is the... Um, executive director of the Christian podcast community, who we are a, a very proud member of. And he's also the host of the rap report on the Christian podcast community. Uh, he's also a pastor. So um, he does a lot for uh, Christ in this world, but he's going through some physical ailments himself. So uh, he's actually going to be stepping away from his podcast for a couple months um, just to try to heal up, figure out what's going wrong with him. Uh, so if you could lift up Andrew Rappaport in your prayers, he's been a great influence on us. Um, certainly appreciate him and hope that he gets back uh, to his old feisty self there, um, you know, taking on black Hebrew Isra Israelites on his apologetics live show in no time. So please pray for Andrew Rappaport. And uh, we'll just get these plugs going, knock them out, and then uh, roll into this and try to get as much done as we can. So uh, you guys know we love Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Uh, if you're a missionary of any sort, a church, um, you know, that's where our heart is. So I would implore you reach out to Cardinal and see what they can do for you, what sort of education and training they can provide for you in the realm of maybe missionary work, anywhere you would go in the world. 
um, or even just, you know, how to handle a dangerous situation, active shooter situation, whatever happens to be in your church, um, how to diffuse those situations, how to, you know, keep you and your staff safe, your congregation safe, all that sort of stuff. Cardinal's the the people you want to talk to. So links to uh, Cardinal will be in the show notes. Please go check them out. And then, of course, uh, please do us the favor of uh, helping this show in any way you can. The easiest way is just liking, subscribing, whatever platform you're on. Um, one thing that would really help us uh, is a podcast review. We have almost no podcast re- uh, reviews, and I get it. I'm reluctant to leave reviews even on shows that I listen to, uh, but a few nice reviews would go a long way. So if you got a few moments, consider doing that. And then if you got, uh, you know, some shopping to do, we have affiliate links down in the show notes. You use those, buy whatever you want. Um, that helps us out a little bit to buy the supplies and different things that we need for this show. And more than that, it just lets us know people listen and that they uh, care. So that goes a long way as well. So alrighty then, we're not going to go to the music, no horror music this week, because I don't think we have a horrible topic to discuss. It's actually, by and large, really good news this week. And um, the way the show is going to work, because we are, we promised last week, we're keeping it to an hour and 15 minutes. And if you guys have been with us for a while, I tend to ramble. So uh, that's what leads to these long shows. And it's funny, I will give one side note, and then I promise it's straight business after that. Yeah, after he's talked for almost two hours, he's like, do you have anything else to say, Nikki? And I'm like, well, I'm just getting warmed up. Uh, (laughs) One guy on Rumble, you know, left a comment on one of our videos and he's like, your videos are too long. You need to shorten them, whatever happens to be. And I was like, that's like the exact reason we have a podcast is so that you can just, you know, delve into something and flush out all your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, if you wanted a short 10 minute YouTube video, you would just be a YouTube content creator. So yeah, kind of funny there. We have a podcast for a reason, but... We know your guys' time is valuable, so we won't waste any more of it than we have to. So um, I want to kick off our news of the week here. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say what's going to happen on this show. If we run into this hour and 15-minute deadline um, and we can't make it through all the news stories and our Bible topic, I think what we're going to do is just um, we'll let you guys go and we'll probably just release the Bible topic as a standalone episode because we got to get through our book knowing sin and uh yeah it's important it's a very important book so we may release that midweek or whatever as sort of a standalone episode now to the news um so i just want to kick off our look at the news this week by looking at two big wins for the pro-life movement Mm -hmm. um so you want to read this first headline honey iowa legislator passes heartbeat law protecting babies from abortions. Yes. And just these Mm -hmm. first two paragraphs. The Iowa legislator has given final approval to a heartbeat law that will protect babies from abortions. After a late night marathon, both the Iowa House and Senate voted overwhelmingly for the bill, which now goes to pro-life Governor Kim Reynolds to sign. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds called for a special session of the state legislator to pass a new law protecting babies from abortions Members of the legislature have responded to that call by advancing a new heartbeat bill that would make Iowa the next state to provide legal protection to babies before birth. Thank you, Iowa. And then Mm. read this next headline. 
Big win. Tennessee's ban on transgender surgery for kids goes into effect immediately. Federal appeals court rules. And Mm -hmm. just, yeah, these first paragraphs here, or this first paragraph. Tennessee can implement its ban on transgender surgery and related medical interventions for minors. As a case challenging, the law uh, works its way through the court. A divided federal appeals court panel ruled Saturday. The Tennessee law now in effect, at least temporarily, prohibits surgical procedures and administration of hormones or puberty blockers for the purpose of gender transition, as reason explains. So if you've been tracking um, the Christian Twitter sphere uh, over the last few weeks, which hopefully you're not because you're smarter than me and you're a godly person, but I do it for this show. Um, You may have seen sort of the disagreement that's been brewing uh, between whether Christians should move out of certain states and into other states. And I believe it all sort of got started um, by Joel Webin, I think is his name, Webin or Webin. I'm slightly familiar with him, Um, but he has a website, uh, Right Response Ministries, and he recently released a book um, fight by flight. Why leaving godless places is loving godless places. And I guess he also preached a sermon uh, here where he was kind of accused of saying that Christians in California are stupid, I think is what they accused him of saying. <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of what's been brewing and we wanted to talk about. So, you know, a lot of people came out on both sides of the argument, you know, either for it or against it. Um, You know, should we leave these godless states for the greener pastures sort of thing? And most of it was mild, of course. Um, But there were obviously, you know, like it is Twitter, right? So there were people pushing back pretty hard. And um, Andy Woodward was one of those people. And I just want to play this short section of a clip where he claims Fleeing these, you know, blue states, as Joel Webin puts it, is a doctrine of demons. Could 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 we get further from the truth of the, of the Great Commission? Is that possible? I'm not sure it is. This is a doctrine of demons. Just straight to the point. This is a doctrine of demons here. So you're you're demonic if you want to flee and just raise your kids up and godliness. According to Andy Woodward, yes. Yeah, but listening to, I listened to, well, I guess I listened to all, it was only five minutes long, but he's kind of just making assumptions on why someone would want to leave and kind of just like assuming um, things aren't comfortable enough. Like He's kind of like taking it like a lot of missionaries quit because it's not luxurious enough is pretty much what he was saying. I'm like... But this is. I was going to go to Cambodia, but there wasn't (sighs) enough internet access, so I bailed. So I don't know why he's making that comparison because those are two different, totally different ways of life. Um, And it's not that things aren't luxurious enough, Um, it's a safety issue. And if you have kids, your number one job is to protect them. And if that means moving, then you shouldn't be shamed for that. Um, Some may look at it like. We're fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, and it just torments their righteous souls, like for Lot, uh, to be around wickedness. Um, 
You don't have to live in an area long term in order to evangelize. You can, of course, take short mission trips. Uh, you don't have to stay long. Um, God doesn't call everyone to be a missionary like that, but we all we're all called to preach the gospel, of course, no matter where we're at. Well, and that's you know, like even the preaching the gospel. I mean, you know, Jesus sends the the apostles out, and he says, you know, if they don't receive you, knock the dust off your shoes, right, and just mm-hmm. move on your way. And but I think, yeah. like in modern day, we feel like, no, I have to convert this person. No, I mean, if you share the gospel with them, sure, it's nice if you follow up and make, but it's not your job to like wrestle this guy into submission to Christ. And I'll be here for years to wrestle. No, that's, I mean, where does it say that we, this is your post, this is your person that you are to lead to Christ and you will do anything as long as it takes. No, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. I was reading Leviticus a few chapters yesterday and I came across... Just some light reading in Leviticus. I know. As you always do. (gasps) Of Leviticus 19.29, I thought was very telling of what causes a nation or a state or city to become so corrupt. You know, we have parents profaning their children by allowing and encouraging them to live in sin and confusion with all the LGBTQ celebration and making their children an idol to bow down to, really. People idolize their children. Um But Leviticus 19.29 says, Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. So I thought this is along the same line as what is happening today. This is why kids are being targeted. Um, It brings depravity on a whole city or state or country. Yeah, I mean, they're dragging the whole country down with it and they're you know, building it for generations to come of Mm -hmm. depravity. Uh, So certainly, and I think that verse definitely fits here because you do see parents doing this, right? Somehow it's a badge of honor to take your kid to a, you know, drag drag queen, you know, strip show, you know, take them to a pride parade where there's a bunch of naked adults dancing around and you're like... Or even condoning your teen having a relationship, even a sexual relationship and just saying, don't get pregnant or whatever, um, that's the same thing. Um, it's not prostitution. Your kid's just sleeping around for free, really. That's worse. <laughs> like, there's nothing, there's no reason. Um, we're worse. We are worse. In a lot of ways, yeah. Definitely shouldn't be doing it, but they are pervert, perverting this nation for sure, profaning this nation. Um, yeah, and the kids, you know, they're... They're tools in Satan's toolbox, and the parents seem to be more than willing to use them in a lot of ways, which is a shame. So, yeah. So, I just think fleeing is just common sense. Um, in this country, God has given us options. Uh, we have opportunity to move, uh, and if we want to, we can. Um, I just think if you, if you had a ministry going on, um, don't just abandon you know, your flock, if you're a pastor, obviously, like God called you to that, you stick around to that area. Um, like, I don't know, it's going to be different for everybody, but Christians also I was thinking in terms of just like the church you go to, like we don't stay in like a lukewarm church and, you know, sin isn't 
even discussed there. The whole gospel isn't preached, but we're not going to like keep going to that church and raise our kids there trying to yeah, make a like, difference. So why would you stay in a, a city that's Well, gonna... my church brought in a woman pastor. And then a year later, we were hosting pride parades. I think I'm going to find a new church that's like, oh, whoa, whoa, yeah, don't you yeah. go bailing on them. You stay in that, you know, den of vipers and you just hope you can change it. You'd be like, brother, you need to get to a real church. You need to get out of that place. But yeah. Yeah, you just warn people and and flee. There's nothing wrong with wanting to raise your family in a safe environment, safe spiritually, not just physically. Yeah. I, doesn't seem like there's anything wrong to me. Again, I think the church analogy fits, mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't encourage your brother or sister, just, nope, stick it out, ride it out, you know, be a light in that darkness. You'd be like, dude, there's better churches all around. I mean, you even do this with people necessarily that aren't even in bad churches like that, but they're just maybe in churches who you think maybe teach a false doctrine. Like, you know, maybe if you're a, a Baptist, but you don't like Calvinism. You would tell your friend, like, Calvinism, you know, I'm going to try to tell you why it's wrong and let me get you to a better church where they teach better doctrine. And it's not even like they're teaching completely perverse, heretical doctrines. It's just yeah. like, you know, or if you're charismatic, but, or, you know, whatever. You try to steer people to where you think is better for them. And that's just on a, like, good church to better church situation. Not like a, you know, my pastor's a non-binary right. woman or used to be woman, you know, kind of a thing. That's like a far extreme. So yeah, I think it's a good example. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, all I can think of is if you have kids, I keep going back to that. Like um, they're not old enough or mature enough to be in the thick of enemy territory. Um, your job is to defend them, to fight for them. And I was just thinking that's why men are the ones who go to battle and the women take care of the kids at home. So. Yeah. I mean, this is why the social contagion works on kids. That's why we're mm -hmm. seeing these dramatic and massive spikes in LGBTQ affiliation with young kids because they're not strong enough mentally to withstand no. it. They're you know, they're easy prey for the enemy. You really got to be so, their shield. Really. Yeah, it's like you won't let them be on social media because you're afraid of the dangers, but you'll send them to their public school, you know, where the teachers got pride flags all over the place, talking to them about who they want to sleep with when they're in the third grade. And you're like, it's a good education. <laughs> like, you know, so we're obviously a little bit late to this uh, party on this discussion topic of fleeing, um, but we were kind of going down the rabbit hole of AI for the last few weeks and, uh, you know, doing one show a week. We're kind of limited in the topics we can discuss. So, um, but we wanted to discuss it because we think it's important. And that's why I wanted to start with the news articles about Iowa and Tennessee, because I think you can get from this episode so far, Nikki and I agree with Joel Webin that Christians should look to move out of these godless states to places where, you know, they can more freely or more conscientiously, you know, raise their children. Um, you know, Nikki did bring up a good point that we do need missionaries in these places. And that's true, of course. 
but we shouldn't kid ourselves, you know, to think that the vast majority of, of people that are staying in these states or refusing to leave are missionaries, right? Or that they're even missional in their mindset. Yeah, because most aren't. The last survey that I read, uh, let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, and this was back from 2018. It showed that 29% of Christians believe that it's the local church's responsibility to evangelize. So not even a person's responsibility. It's the church's job. And then only 19% of Christians proactively look for the opportunity to share the gospel. So, you know, is the reason that most Christians don't want to move because they're serving in some missional capacity in their godless state? Mm -mm. No. no, I would say no. I think it's a lot of these woke uh, pastors, they're just afraid of losing numbers. So that's why they're going to lay a guilt trip on their congregation if they want to move. Well, I bet. Yeah, sure. That's a lot of it, you know, um, because, you know, churches, especially, you know, it's funny. We'll talk about a story if we get to it um, later where they talk about the number of baptisms and all yeah. this sort of stuff. And like the numbers mean everything, you know, and maybe if your pride as a pastor, you know, the bigger your congregation, the more clout you can carry in your city or whatever. I don't know what kind of stupid pride goes on in pastors, but um I'm sure that that plays a factor. Um, not to mention maybe, you know, we know a lot of churches are in buildings that are probably way too big for what they need. Um, you know, these gigantic lots that they're on and all these sorts of things where you can't afford to lose. I mean, most of your congregation doesn't pay tithe anyway, so you can't afford to lose the ones who do, um, this sort of stuff. But, you know, to me, I think the most obvious reason why people don't want to leave the places that they're in is comfort. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think maybe like they simply don't want to leave. Um, and then maybe close behind comfort or maybe even far behind comfort, probably. I think it's fear. You know, a lot of people don't leave and move and travel. You know, like for people like Nikki and I, we're uh, exceptions. You know, we move every three years. We've traveled the entire country, you know, all this sort of stuff. So moving is not a big deal. But most people... Uh, I think I read a stat somewhere that like 60% of people never move um, further than 30 miles from their hometown. 60%? Something like that. Those numbers could be slightly off. Forgive me if they are. But so that fear factor of this is my home, this is where I live, I'm not leaving kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but like California, I mean, that's becoming basically a godless hellscape of a state, you know, but to this comfort idea, have you ever been to Los Angeles? or San Francisco on good days, right? They're beautiful. <laughs> They're some of the most beautiful cities in the country. Like it's yeah. probably a hard sell to tell somebody who's lived in Los Angeles their whole life that you'd have a way better opportunity to raise your children in a godly way if you moved to Iowa. <laughs> like what is Iowa? I don't even know what that is. What does it look like? Does it have an ocean? It, like no. it's a hard sell, right? So I think comfort, uh, comfort, is far more likely the reason mm -hmm. for a lot of, you know, people yeah. in their eyes why they don't want to leave. Um, but they won't say that, right? In our own pride, yeah. I think it's we like, kind of realize that would make us look shallow to be like... They'd rather just stick to what's familiar. Well, what's I familiar and what's nice. Is... I mean, because that's kind of the sad thing about these godless states is they're in many of the most beautiful and like... Yeah, um, I know. It's sad. Unique <laughs> places in the world, right? I mean... Washington state is gorgeous. If you go to yeah. Seattle area and stuff, 
amazing. California's beautiful. New York is, you know, the old northeastern part of this country is awesome, historic. And yeah, it's kind of hard to be like, you should leave there and go to Montana. <laughs> like, no, not going to do it, right? Montana's pretty too, though. Well, sure. Um, we encourage you to move to Montana um, if your sensibilities are right. Don't go ruining Montana. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, in people's pride, they wouldn't just be like, nah, I like the ocean. You know, instead they come up with the, you know, the missional sort of mindset sort of thing, you know, well, instead of just coming right out and saying, I don't want to leave because I like it here and it's pretty, you know, we'll kind of pretend that like, well, we're right where God put us, you know, we're here for a purpose, you know, and, and maybe in some instances that's true. You know, there are the missionaries, the pastors and stuff like that that are called. But I think by and large, for the majority, I would just say that that's nonsense. Because, um, mm -hmm. again, in my opinion, it's comfort for most that leads them not to move, not service to God. It is a big decision to make and to think like a lot of people pray about moving or not. Like, is this God's will? You know, we've prayed about it. Like, should we take this opportunity to move to Alaska? Is it God's will? <laughs> right. And that's why I re always remember that sermon, you know, that was... With the chairs? Preached. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you kind of made the analogy that, you know, God's will is this auditorium, basically. You can pick any chair you want in it, but as long as you're inside God's will. So it's not like God's will is the chair in the front row on the far left. That is your will from God. Yeah. Now there are people, I would say at times in situations that that is, you know, but maybe I think God ordains it and he's not going to leave it up to us to like figure it out and stress over if it's his will. Like if he has a specific purpose for you, he's going to lead you to that. And it's not going to be through fear or you desiring. I mean, he can use our failures, obviously for his purposes. But. Yeah, of course. And right. God is sovereign over everything. He is ordaining it, you know, but we wrestle and stress, stress about it. Like, you know, it's our decision and calling and make excuses or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, but I just think that idea that, you know, this is where God wants me to serve. This is the only, this is where he put me. And if I go anywhere else, mm -hmm. somehow I'm not in service to God by and large. No. I would say that's false. Um, again, unless you're a missionary mm -hmm. and these sorts of things. Like um, God is works through very practical means. You could pray, God, will you open up a door for me to to move to this other state that's more godly? Um, a job opportunity. I pray that I, you know, that you just open the door. And if he opens the door, you get a, a job interview, take that as a yes. You're not gonna hear like an audible voice. You're not going to have a dream. Like God gives us good things, desires. He doesn't, he has like, maybe like a, a very wide purpose where he's like the auditorium. You can choose this chair, which is this state. This chair over here is another state or another job. You can make a lot of choices within God's will and maybe moving to a different state is just like hopping over one row to another chair. <laughs> I would say it is. Um, but, you know, I think this, you know, at least to me, when I think about this, it's that idea of like, you know, every Christian has some great high calling from God. And, you know, there's to fulfill this specific calling, you know, rather than just being a light wherever they are, sort mm -hmm. of a thing. Um, you know, like somehow everyone in Ca uh, California right now is placed there by God. 
so that they could evangelize their neighbor and their coworker. And if you're going to move, that's somehow an affront to God. Well, um, what if there's like a great earthquake? Wouldn't they move? If something crazy happened and they're like, oh, no, now we got to move. This is way uncomfortable now. Or, you know, it depends on yeah. the situation, really. I just think it's that mindset of, you know, the high calling, you know, I'm where God yeah. wants kind of a thing. When I think, again, you look at those stats, right? And the truth is that the majority of these people aren't evangelizing anyone on a consistent basis. Uh, by and large, most Christians aren't. Um, you know, now if you're a pastor, you're again, you're a true missionary, that sort of thing, then I would say maybe it's not right for you to move in that situation. But if you're just a teacher, you're a cop, you know, you're whatever, construction worker, engineer, uh, you can do that anywhere. Um, and there's a far better place or there's far better places in this country to raise a family than yeah. in these sort of perverse godless states. Um, you know, we just obviously highlighted the stories from Iowa and Tennessee banning abortion and gender affirmation care for minors. And if you've been here for a while, a few weeks ago, we talked about California and Washington, the godless states, through who they passed those laws basically saying if you don't affirm your kid's gender transition, the state can take your kid from you. Um, and then, you know, just a few weeks ago, we talked about Michigan as well, who banned conversion therapy, which is a fancy way of saying spiritual uh, counseling for gender-confused kids. You know, so which place seems like a safer environment for you to raise your children? You know, is it safer in Chicago, where there's gang shootouts every night? Or Des Moines, Iowa, you know, where you don't even have to fear your kids walking down the street, <laughs> right? Uh, which one seems like a better Is environment? Is that true? Is it really like safe crime-wise? Oh, Des Moines, yeah. I, think I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm assuming it's probably one of the safer, bigger cities in this country. Um, but I mean, you know, if you look at that survey again, the 81% um, that aren't actively looking to share their faith. Like you can just as easily be a closet Christian in Iowa as you can be in New York, yeah. <laughs> but your family's going to be far safer. Mm -hmm. Your tax dollars are going to be better spent. Um, you know, then you live in California and you're giving your money to the state so that they can give monthly stipends to, you know, homeless drug addicts to line the streets that your kids are walking down. That doesn't seem like a great use of your money. Um, and it made me chuckle reading through this because we just recently had our discussion on Christian nationalism and people push back hard on Christian nationalism. You know, that whole idea of Christian nationalism, it's ungodly, it's unbiblical, all this sort of stuff. Um, but then you tell them to move out of their state and suddenly they become like Christian statists. <laughs> like, I'm never leaving my state, right? They can't leave. They're going to win the state for Christ. We're yeah. taking the city, taking all this sort city. of stuff. It just seems silly to me to decry one and then support the other. Like, seems like a funny, I don't know, balancing act there. Yep. But, like, even this whole country, like, the idea of this nation is basically built on godly men fleeing godless, heretical leaders and the persecution that they were inflicting on them. You know, the pilgrims and the Puritans who really built this nation. So are we going to suggest somehow that their faith and their devotion to God wasn't real? They were somehow watered down Christians, the Puritans right. and the pilgrims, you know, they're Christians of a lesser quality, you know, because they fled 
while you know you have the Oregon public school teacher hasn't shared her faith in a decade with anybody, but she refuses to leave. She'll never flee. Like somehow they're of lesser quality. I would say no. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, of course not. Um, and, you know, we actually discussed this, basically this idea when we talked about the Asbury revival, if you guys remember that happening months and months ago, seems like a lifetime ago when Asbury was reviving the nation. When was that? Was that before we moved here? No, we were here. I don't know when that was. I can't even remember now. It seems like a lifetime ago, but you know, we had the discussion and everybody did, right? Is it a real revival? And so we looked to scripture, right? To see what a revival looked like. And one of the things that we saw when you look at the different revivals in the Bible was godly uh, men or women coming out from or removing the wicked from their midst. You know, we looked at Nehemiah chapter eight through 10, and we see those people, the godly leaving or separating themselves from the godless. We looked at 2 Kings chapter 23 with King Josiah, and we see those people, the godly, removing, you know, the blasphemous idols and the false priests and teachers from their land, cleansing their land of them, you know, so again, separating themselves. And we even see Mary and Joseph, right, fleeing with That's Jesus right. to Egypt to flee the persecution. Mm-hmm. So are we going to say any of them were wrong in doing that? Mary and Joseph should have stayed. Didn't God tell them, though? <laughs> sure, God told them. Um, right? But because you flee persecution. Um, there are times, you know, when you suffer for your faith, but to just blindly be like, I must suffer. My kids must be groomed by the state. Why? People do think, like, expose your kids to the world and they'll be stronger. You don't want them to be, I don't know, they somehow think that they're going to be more resilient, but no, that can really bring on death for your kids. Right. We have an entire last two decades in this country to prove that kids that are exposed to these things at a young age don't turn out better. No. Our country's becoming more depraved and sinful day by day. You know, I'm going to give my kid meth so that, he, so that he knows he doesn't like meth when he's older. Yeah, that whole thing. Give him a, <laughs> no. a drink or a smoke of a cigarette so he'll never do it. No, that, I don't think that's true. It's craziness. But there is another wrinkle to this whole thing, not just the spiritual matters and the raising family and the well-being, uh, well-being and that sort of stuff. And that wrinkle is, you know, what could this actually do for the nation politically? You know, if these people, these God-fearing, which generally the God-fearing people are more conservative-minded, um, if they moved out of these godless and increasingly religionless states. Um, and Steve Dace uh, tweeted this out, which I think is wonderful, um, these stats. He says, these are the states Republicans haven't won in a presidential election in almost 40 years since 1984. And how many votes Trump received from them in 2020? So you can see here, uh, if you're on YouTube or Rumble, Facebook, um, it says California, 6 million votes. New York, 3.2. Maine, 1.1 million. Connecticut, 714,000. Minnesota, 1.4 million. Oregon, 950,000. Washington, 1.5 million. Illinois, 2.4 million. And he totals it up and it says, or he says, that's 
essentially wasted votes in a presidential election decided by less than 50,000 total votes in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. I mean, that's stunning to look at to me. You know, 17.6 million votes in states that have effectively zero chance of making a difference. Mm -hmm. When, you know, if you took these 6 million votes from California and they moved out to Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, you know, these surrounding states, you could potentially turn these states into what Iowa and Florida are today. Right. Like these states that are real culture warriors against the satanic spirit of the age that we're all fighting against in this nation. That's a good motivation. It's a huge motivation. (laughs) Um, And I get not everybody can do it. We're not talking about blanket policy here. But he talks about 50,000 people moved to, you know, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. You could have, you know changed an election. You know, the same yeah. thing, you know, you look at New York, uh, Maine and Connecticut, that's nearly 5 million wasted votes. When if they move to Pennsylvania or Virginia, you know, surrounding states, again, you could turn those states into what Florida or Iowa are today. Um, yeah. Now, and I hear people, right, they, politics aren't everything. Um, politics won't save us. And I agree to a point, right? But politics are something, and politics save some people. Yeah. Because electing the right person at the right time, that got us Roe versus Wade overturned. Yeah. And that's allowed places like Iowa, Florida, all these different states to actually defend the lives of babies. Um, it got affirmative action reversed you know, in the universities. And mm-hmm. hopefully that'll extend out to the rest of the nation. And we can kind of put an end to this institutionalized racism um, in this nation here. But so politics matter sometimes and uh, to some degree. So that may not be the number one driver for you to leave a state like New York or Oregon or Washington. But if that's a secondary benefit, that's a pretty good benefit. Yeah, I Um, guess if you're on the fence about moving or not, this can be your reasoning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because even if it's not, you know, you know, I guess... I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good reason, right? It's a good secondary reason. To me, it wouldn't be a primary reason um, because, again, politics are secondary to my faith. But I think it's a valid reason. Um, You know, like we live here in New Mexico and uh, we can't leave right now. But as soon as we can, we're not sticking around unless God tells me in a dream, (laughs) you know, then I'll stick around. And you don't dream, so you might have to leave it. I don't dream unless you take aspirin before bed. Fun fact, I have some wild dreams on aspirin. Wait, you do? I'll take my baby aspirin before bed sometimes. Wait, whatever. Anywho, (laughs) we don't have time for those discussions. So so why is this important to Christians, this idea? I think it's important because the godless in this nation have made it uh, abundantly clear that they're coming for your children. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, to the point where... During June, there were pride parades saying, we're coming for your children. Um, And a good rule of thumb in this world is when people tell you something about themselves or what they're planning on doing, believe them. That's a a safe way, um, you know, to to handle people. And while not every state, you know, kind of seems as hell-bent on grooming your kids as, you know, 
California, New York, and these sorts of places, you know, grooming them into Satan's slave labor force. Um, the problem is once your kid is groomed, if they happen to be one who succumbs to this, I mean, it could be too late in some respects. Um, not that it's too late for God to maybe save them, but you go down the gender affirmation uh, road and you're lopping stuff off. It's, it's too late to, you can't rewind that, right? You can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle at that point, you know? So don't wait until after your teenage daughters had an abortion without your knowledge to go, boy, I really wish that wasn't even an option for her. Like it wouldn't have been in Iowa, you know, that would have been nice. Um, you know, so you can spare your family the heartache and you can spare your children sort of the spiritual damage, uh, to their soul by getting ahead of these situations. Um, just by simply maybe moving across state lines to a place. Um, so what should we do about it? Um, I think personally, you know, you shouldn't be quick to dismiss the idea of moving for the betterment of your family and not just for the financial betterment, because it is, it is interesting. A lot of people are more than willing, quick to will, uh, quick to be willing to move for the financial betterment of their family. They'll move anywhere around the country, around the world for the financial betterment of their family. But if you tell them to move for the spiritual betterment of their family, like, no, we're winning this city for Christ. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, It kind of shows where your heart's at. Hmm. Um, You know, so again, unless you're on a specific missional or pastoral call, that sort of thing, um, Or maybe you're in the position of you've got parents or loved ones that, you know, maybe they're elderly, sick, and they can't move out of the state. So you have a real reason to stay. I'm talking more about people like us, you know, Nikki and I, we're, you know, in our 30s, kids, nothing really holding us down, no family that's sick, anything like that. I think it's worth, I think it's worth thinking about discussing with your family. Um, I don't see any reason why you should just sit around um, while Satan sifts your state like wheat. You don't have to. Uh, Now, again, we understand not everyone's going to agree with us on this point, and that's okay. Um, You know, I don't think we're enemies if we come to a disagreement on this point. Uh, And if you do disagree, I'd love to hear your arguments as to why you should stay. Um, I'd love for you to leave those down in the comments, email us, um, jump on our social media, whatever. Um, Let us know. Yeah. Whether you agree or disagree, maybe you agree with us, but you have more points on why this is a good idea. We'd love to hear from you as well. Yeah. I mean, I know Christian people who are in California and they hate it. I don't know why they haven't moved yet. Maybe their church family, they really like their church. I know they have like a smaller church, but. Well, I, I could know. see, you know, if we were living in Los Angeles, going to Grace Community, <laughs> a hard church to leave, right? Um, I guess if you have like a really good. Um, fellowship of believers that your kids really are surrounded by. I mean, here, I feel like we're doing all right. You know, the kids like to do their their Friday night thing with the youth, the elders house, like they have. You just have to be very cautious. You have to know where everybody is. And, and like, you can make it work. Um, oh, of course. I mean, it's I not like everybody like... in these states is just being ravaged by the demonic hordes on a daily basis. Um, Like you're raising your kids up in the knowledge of God and making them aware of the trickery. (laughs) Um, Like our kids, they know. 
I don't think our kids would be duped. I, and they know that we love them. And I think they would come to us. I don't think that they would ever try to do anything behind our back. I mean, it just really, a lot of it depends on your relationship with your kids too. So it's not like be fearful, get out of a, you know, that state, you know, because God can sustain you. God can, you know, hold your family together in it. Yeah. So that would be hard to leave your church family because you really do love them. And and I'm not necessarily saying if you're listening to this, you better move out of New York. I'm not saying anything like that, but I think it's worth a discussion. It's worth thinking about. Um, yeah. Not necessarily poo-pooing on the face of it. And then maybe just being honest with yourself. Um, and hopefully, maybe if you look at yourself and go, yeah, you know what? I haven't really been the kind of person that shares the gospel anywhere. So who am I to, you know, complain about how godless this state is when I haven't, you know, I've been hiding my light under a basket this whole time sort of a thing. So I think it's okay to have disagreements on this. Um, this is just what we think, right? It's our podcast. We can say whatever we want. And our fell on rumble can complain about how long we're saying it. Um, <laughs> but how should we pray about this? Um, I think we should pray that God would reveal, you know, for you, if comfort or fear is the reason that would that's preventing you really from making a decision to move or even dismissing the uh, the thought outright. You know, if none of this matters to you, uh, it never really crosses your mind, then fine, I guess. Um, but if you have thought about this, if you've wrestled with this thought, um, just pray that God would help you understand why you would stay um, and what might be preventing you from leaving. Because um, Nikki said, right, we shouldn't be driven by fear, but we also shouldn't be driven by comfort. You know, our desire for comfort has probably been one of the leading factors of dragging this nation into the place that it is today as depraved as it is. Um, It's okay to be uncomfortable, um, especially if it's for the right reasons. And protecting your family is a wonderful reason to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because coming from people who have moved extensively in our lives, uh, it gets back to normal pretty quickly, um, you'll find. It, It doesn't take very long for you to find a good church, find friends, um, especially with the social media. I think I just saw a post the other day. A girl was like, I know this is kind of weird, but what do I care? Like, I'm looking for friends. Does anybody want to hang out? I got kids. I do this, that, or the other. And there's a bunch of comments like, yeah, we'd love to get to meet and <laughs> easy peasy to make friends. So, yeah. Um, Not really the right friends. Well, you got to. You can't sift just put yourself them, out there like that. Yeah, I put an ad on Craigslist for friends that wanted to hang out on Friday night. And yeah, you especially don't want to be like, like on base, it's different. Like, but you don't want to be doing that to general public. Like, I got kids. Let's get together for a play date. Like, you don't know what kind of weird people are like, kids. Like, who? Yeah. <laughs> Who's this? Uh, yeah, anyway, sound of freedom. Um, yeah. <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts on this before we try to get to the rest of these news topics today? Yeah, let's move on. All right. So just a few more stories from the past week that we wanted to get caught up on. Again, we we don't have a lot of time on our show to dive into all the news that we feel we should discuss. So we just want to get caught up as best we can um, and then see if there's time for the Bible topic um, and our sermon recommendation. Well, actually, the sermon recommendation is just going to be Joel Webin's um, talk on should you move out of blue states so you can actually hear it for yourself and find out if he actually said you're stupid for living in California. Um, So, do you want to read this headline? 
Stephen Furtick's Elevation Church leaves the SBC. Yep. You want to just read that subheading? The megachurch, known for its popular elevation music, has voluntarily withdrawn two weeks after the recent Southern Baptist annual meeting. Yep. Yep. And uh, it says, yeah, if you want to read this. In a letter sent to the SBC's executive committee in Nashville and to the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, Charlotte-based Elevation Church said it was withdrawing its affiliation from the Southern Baptist Convention effective immediately. And then, um, so this is the letter that they sent, and I'll just try to read through it quickly. Let me see their church real quick. (laughs) Yeah, there's Elevation Church, very hip and modern, just like their pastor, hip and modern. Um, So it says, we would like to thank the Southern Baptist for the privilege of partnering, partnering with you, especially through the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina for nearly two decades. This letter is to inform you that Elevation Church is withdrawing its affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention effective immediately. You will find that our statement of beliefs on our website is very much in line with the Baptist faith and message. We have no intention of changing those core beliefs. We have no plans to make a public announcement on this decision. We have too much to do in reaching a world that needs the love of Jesus. Should your credentials committee decide to make this decision by Elevation Public, we will only respond with a copy of this letter and anyone inquiring about the notification. Thank you again for the privilege of having been affiliated with the SBC all these years. Please know that our withdrawal from affiliation in no way means that we will withdraw from praying for you and your ministers and mission work in the future. We are all on the same side. We pray that we will continue to be able to work alongside many SBC churches in the coming years. We know there is much we can do more effectively in partnership than we can do alone. May God bless the SBC and her churches in the years ahead. So, first off, uh, I say kudos to Elevation uh, for at least having the strength of conviction to make a decision. You know, the SBC said no female pastors and Elevation Church said, all right, we're out then. Um, Because I think they even list in the article that Holly Furtick, I think is her name, is Stephen's wife, and she's listed as pastor, preaches a lot. So he said, we're not going to get rid of female pastors. So you have your decision. We have ours. Um, We're separating. So that's at least respectful. Um, And I do think the letter is respectful. I don't take the letter to be harsh or a a slap at the SBC. It's just, hey, we have differences. God bless you. Yeah, that was good. So I think the letter was well written as well. But you know, as we mentioned with Saddleback, and there was other churches that were dismembered or disfellowshipped. Dismembered, dismembered. bad. <laughs> they were disfellowshipped um, <laughs> during that, you know, uh, SBC convention. I think here with uh, Elevation Church, I think it's addition by subtraction. Uh, you know, the SBC doesn't need, and no church, as we kind of talked earlier, needs mere numbers. You know, what they need is faithful followers of God, um, God's word. And, you know, I think by and large, a lot of people would attest to the fact that elevation, they've been drifting uh, from God's word and distorting God's word for a long time now. Mm -hmm. Um, And interestingly, this Christian or Christianity Today article, uh, it notes in here, 
According to the data submitted, uh, yeah, down here, according to the data submitted by the church to the SBC, Elevation averaged 10,185 attendees each week and had 103 million in donations for 2021. The church gave $10,000 to SBC's cooperative program. So they made 103 million, they gave 10,000 to the SBC. Um, so again, they aren't losing a lot the SBC by losing Elevation Church, having them leave. Wait a second. Do they have more than one campus? I forget. I bet they do. Is um, this just a certain campus or Elevation altogether? Or I think it's Elevation altogether. To, you can't break apart your churches and have some in and some out, I guess. No, I wouldn't. You can't be in Elevation. Like, you can't be... Their name isn't associated anymore. Right. Yeah, you can't yeah, be so like, Elevation, be, this campus. I don't know if they have multiple campuses, but if they did, they would all be separating yeah. from the SBC. But yeah, $10,000 a year in the cooperative. I don't know what the normal rate is for giving, but, you know, again, you're you're not losing a lot financially by them leaving. Right. Um, but as we say often on this show... Um, church growth, or you know, even in this case with the SBC denomination size, is not success. Um, right. Adherence to God's word is success, and I think the SBC got a little closer to that with this move, in our opinion, by having elevation um, separate ties. So, um, not not bad in our opinion. I think it's a positive, but just wanted to highlight that story. Um. Oh, and you'd brought up a question earlier that I thought was a really good question oh, yeah. uh, as we were discussing this. You had mentioned, like, are there any churches that change their views on women pastors after this last convention? Like, they had pastor or women pastors. Mm -hmm. The SBC said no, and then they went, okay, we're getting rid of our women's pastors. I'm curious, because I've never heard of a church that did that, but I'd be curious if there are any. If you've heard of any churches that yeah. had female pastors... You know, they heard of the SBC's change on like that. God's and... word convicted them, actually, and they were like, we got to change. Sorry, this is really going to affect, it's going to divide the congregation because people end up idolizing. Because if, if the congregation was okay with the woman pastor, I mean, you have to have a board um, that makes that decision. I guess, and if oh, yeah. they were like, yeah, you got to well, step down, churches. right? You're the pastor, but we got to ask you to step down because you're a woman. I don't know. I, would well, be... and it's a sign of, you know, like, why would you associate yourself with the SBC, vote on these members to lead the SBC, do all this sort of stuff, but then when the SBC says, here's something we think you should do, and you're like, nope, not going to take your advice on any of that. We refuse to change. And you're like, you know, I think that's a sign of spiritual pride when you refuse to accept correction from other godly men around you. You know, so you have the entire SBC being like, I don't think what you're doing is right. And no church out there is willing to go, okay, I guess we were wrong. Um, mm -hmm. We'll try to make like this any right. woman that became convicted after the fact. Just Has there the, ever been a woman <laughs> pastor that's like, I was wrong. I got to step down. Has there ever been a female pastor that was convicted in their female pastorship and stepped down? Maybe. I would love to know. I'm sure there is somewhere. I bet there could be. There has to be at I would least like one, because a lot of know. yeah, if God can yeah, God can do that. <laughs> Convict he that can way. Part the Red Sea. He can lead a woman to repentance. Oh my gosh! So, um, <laughs> all right, we'll keep this thing moving. Do you want to read this next headline? Some more good news coming out. 
Supreme Court sides with Christian who won't make gay wedding sites. That's good. The U.S. Supreme Court delivered a First Amendment victory Friday to a Christian designer who objects to creating custom websites for same-sex weddings. The high court ruled in a 6-3 to opinion the state of Colorado would violate the free speech rights of Lori Smith by requ- requiring her to design a website for a ceremony that conflicts with her conscience. The decision provided an important legal win for the rights of Christians and other faith adherents in a series of cases involving the intersection of religious freedom and same-sex marriage. The High Court's decision broke along ideological political lines. Nominees by Republican presidents made up the majority, while justices nominated by Democrats were in dissent. Chief Justice John Roberts and Associate Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett joined Neil Gorsuch in the majority. Associate Justices Sonia Sotomayor, Alina Kagan, and Ketanji Brown Jackson dissented. Yep. So um, rule uh, this ruling is great news. Um, really good news for Americans' free exercise of religion. Yeah. Um, but it did remind me, you know, we spoke, what was it last week? The myth of experts, you know, <laughs> this uh, idea of experts governing our lives. Yet here again is another decision that comes down to basically politics rather than law. It's split right down political lines. Go figure. Um, the legal experts of our day yeah. just couldn't decide. Right. Um, but you know, this won't be the last of these cases that we see come before the Supreme court. Um, you know, the pride movement's not going to take a step back, right? They're going to keep moving forward, um, trying to make religious folks bend their knee. So this is good news. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, these types of rulings will give people more courage to push back against this sort of anti-Christ agenda in this nation and give Christians just in general more courage to stand up and say, you know what, I do have a right to be an outspoken Christian in this nation still. I don't have to be quieter push right. my beliefs um, down, right? I can live as as much of a Christ follower as I want to live. And um, so right. that's good news. Yeah, we shouldn't have to do things that are against our own conscience. Shouldn't have to. And that's a good ruling from the Supreme Court. So just one last story. We'll see if we can get through this and still get our Bible topic in. Hour and 15 minutes. That's what we're sticking to. So I just wanted to make this note. So... uh we reviewed the sound of freedom last week and a lot of the more liberal and, you know, mainstream news media outlets, they've been trying to label it as a sort of QAnon conspiracy theorist movie. So here's the headline from the Washington post sound of freedom is a box office hit whose star embraces QAnon. Um, and I wanted to mention it because if you've read or heard anything like this and it gives you hesitation, don't be hesitant. Um, it isn't. This isn't some QAnon conspiracy theory movie. Because first, you have to consider, why would anyone push back on a movie about rescuing children from sex trafficking? Those people are suspect, in my opinion. Right. Uh, and secondly, this movie is a true story. Yep. And if it's a true story, it can't be a conspiracy. It's a true story about a real, pe- <laughs> real person and a real organization. It really happened. Um, And then thirdly, and this is the point I wanted to bring up, 
even if it were a QAnon, you know, conspiracy. In my mind, QAnon is more trustworthy than the mainstream news media. Yeah, I agree. Because QAnon, whatever you think of them, you may think they're wrong, crazy, whatever it happens to be. They're at least looking for the truth. And that's kind of the case with all conspiracy theorists and conspiracy theories, right? They're people that are looking for the truth. They don't believe what they're being told and they're seeking after the truth on their own. The mainstream media is not in any way concerned with the truth. They right. care only about narrative, uh, narrative building and politics. That's all they care about. So if you're presented with the option of someone that's seeking the truth but gets it wrong or someone who doesn't care about the truth at all and still gets it wrong, I'll take the truth taker or the truth seeker, in my oh. opinion. So don't buy the lies spread about Sound of Freedom. Yeah. And then there's people on the other side of this. Um, I know a couple of people online, um, you know, conspiracy-minded people just gone too far. But um, they were telling me that this movie is just being used to like scare parents into getting their kids microchipped or or just to get people to give money. Um, and it's really going to be supporting child trafficking. And neither of these people had done any research on Tim Ballard. And they both actually just assumed that the movie was a Hollywood film. And it wasn't. <laughs> so I don't think they even realized that it was a true story either. Um, so this is just a problem with like the far gone, uh, conspiracy minded people. They think everything is a conspiracy. Uh, they don't trust anything. They're extremely paranoid people. And I love a good conspiracy as much as anyone. And I have my own, I believe, but we need to be careful and test all things with scripture, uh, concerning them. So I found it kind of funny how these same people, along with a lot of other people, obviously, are praying for God to expose and bring to light all the wickedness, um, even concerning um, child sex trafficking, you know. And then when God does <laughs> expose it through this true story coming into theaters, instead of thanking God, praising God for it, they all say it's not God bringing it to light. It's Satan trying to cause fear and panic so we'll all get our kids chipped. <laughs> Crazy. So this movie did not try to instill fear into anyone. It just simply brought awareness and what you can do to help. These organizations, the child trafficking organizations, they don't need our money. Uh, so they are not trying to get it from us. Um, they are the fastest growing international crime in the world. They they don't need us. Uh, so we can trust that God is moving and he does use good organizations and people to save these children. He hears their prayers and the prayers of their parents, and he is acting, and we can praise him for that. Um, and I reminded some people of when Jesus was accused of casting out demons by Beelzebub. And saying that a work of God is the work of Satan is a very serious thing. We need to be careful of doing that. <laughs> No, absolutely. And that's well said. I have a lot I want to say on that, but we don't have time to say it. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to get into our Bible topic because I think we can get it done. That's well said, honey. <laughs> and I wish I could comment more. Maybe someday soon we will. But we have a few minutes left. We're going to try to squeeze in our Bible topic because I think it's very important. So um, for our Bible topic, sorry, I 
don't mean to cut Nikki off. I've been accused before of being uh, rough with her and not letting her speak her mind. Who's accused you? I don't know. Somebody <laughs> on YouTube. Um, but we have time constraints. So for our Bible topic, we've been going through Mark Jones's book, Knowing Sin. Wonderful book. Um, we're on chapter nine this week. And if you are new here and you want to get caught up with what we've discussed in the first or the previous eight chapters, um, I'll have a a card on the screen, or you can go check down in the show notes and find a link to that playlist. Um, go give those a listen. Uh, but this chapter is titled Sin's Presumption, mm-hmm. Highway to Hell. Um, and this entire book is good and relevant, of course, but I think this chapter may be the most relevant to sort of the wayward and kind of faith-declining society that we find ourselves in today. And just our own personal conviction like this one was i think we can all yeah we can all relate to it (laughs) yeah you read how bad presumptuous sin is and what presumptuous sin is and you're like i'm an awful person i know um forgive me lord for i have sinned and you know so what is presumptuous sin um and mark jones describes it he says to be presumptuous is to knowingly and willingly violate a set boundary applying this to god's standard revealed in his word Presumptuous sins simply involve any sin committed in willful violation of the standards we know quite well. So that's what a presumptuous sin is. Yeah, it's like saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm still holding on to this this sin here. Um, And you have to ask that person, um, how can you do that and not have conviction? Because if the Holy Spirit lives in you, um, he convicts, he'll convict you. So how is that possible? Yeah, I mean, if that's why you should be fearful. If you're living in these, you know, open and presumptuous sins and you're not overly convicted by it, that's a fearful state to be in. It is, yeah. Um, you know, things like sex outside of marriage, right? Everyone knows that that's a sin, yet we do it presumptuously. Um, you know, stealing, lying, all of these sorts of things. They're sins of presumption. Um, you know, it's like, oh, I do them, but God forgives me, right? So, oh, well, this kind of mindset. But we shouldn't think that, though. Um, And Jones talks about this. He says, The Christian who sins presumptuously commits a willing provocation against God and expects a free return of mercy in exchange. Few sins are worse in the Christian life than presuming upon the grace of God. And he goes on to say, Presumptuous sin requires an unholy boldness and a proud willingness. Mm. And... That's why I think this chapter is so relevant, because this is the modern American, you know, cheap grace, seeker-sensitive, affirmation church sort of mindset, right? Sin willfully against God and just expect, you know, because probably many have been misled to believe, oh, God's grace will cover me, right? Yeah, that's really dangerous. Like, is God's grace going to cover your willful rejection of his grace to overcome that sin. No, and uh, Jones basically says exactly that. You know, he says in here that even this mindset of, well, God's grace will cover me, sort of a mindset. He says even that's a sin against God because it's blasphemy. Mm. Um, He says presumptuous sins chop God up into pieces and take his love, mercy, and grace away from his other attributes, Mm. such as knowledge, justice, power, and holiness. So, I mean, this is the American, you know, accept Jesus mantra, right? 
Um, you go to church and it's just accept Jesus. You know, he'll supercharge your life. He'll help you overcome all your obstacles. He loves you just the way you are. Don't you worry about it, right? It's the whole Jesus as Savior and not Lord mindset, which is incorrect. You don't get Jesus as Savior if you don't have him as Lord also. Right. Um, and Jones goes on to write in this chapter, he says, intentional presumptuous sinners know that they're, or know that what they're doing is wrong. And this made me think of Ravi Zacharias. If you guys remember him, right? The supposed great man of God, apologist, intellectual Christian, all this sort of stuff and secretly living a perverse and sexually immoral life. And he, as far as we know, died in that sexual immorality. He was presumptuously sinning against mm -hmm. God. Now, that's an extreme example, of course. Most of us probably aren't world-renowned Christian apologists that are living these seedy, sexually immoral lives, but we all sin presumptuously against God, probably far more than we would care to admit in, you know, out in public. But in God's sight, you know, Ravi Zacharias's presumptuous sin is no different than your um stealing, you know, on a consistent basis. It's the same thing, right? It's James chapter two, verse 10. I'm memorizing this for church. You know, uh, what's it say? Uh, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Um, so it's no different in God's eyes. You've broken the whole law. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so why is this a problem? Why is presumptuous sin a problem? We're going to get this done in less than an hour and 15 minutes. Praise God forevermore. Um, don't expect this going forward. <laughs> uh, but Joan says, the more we settle into the rut of this sin, the less likely we will ever deal with it. And then he goes on to quote John Owens, who says, custom of sinning takes away the sense of it. The course of the world takes away the shame of it. And love to it makes men greedy in the pursuit of it. That's the danger with continuing in presumptuous sin. Eventually, your heart becomes hardened. Um, eventually, you make excuses for the sin. The world tells yeah. you it's perfectly okay. And then again, like he says here, eventually you become greedy for that sin. Yeah, that's interesting to me. This, this the idea of being greedy for sin, the pursuit of it. It is. It's like you. It you know. It's like the the drug addict. They'll steal from their family to sell stuff and get that money for that drug. Like they don't care. It's greed. Yeah. I mean, it starts as a fun thing you do maybe with your friends. You enjoy the high. But then it takes over, yeah, and to the point where, like, you'll ruin every relationship, steal mm -hmm. from everybody, break rules, go to jail. Like, you'll go to extreme lengths to satisfy this thing that you know is a sin. Um, that's what presumptuous sin do. But we do it with all these sins, sexual immorality. I mean, Ravi Zacharias ruined his life, his ministry, his entire Ravi Zacharias, like, international, whatever his missionary organization was, completely destroyed, basically. I mean, what a terrible legacy to leave for them mm -hmm, supposed to no. do god's work around the country and you're like i don't want that name attached to what i'm doing here that's awful but he was greedy for his sexual immorality um you know so kind of how he ends this here and we'll end it here as well um he looks to king david on how we should respond to this presumptuous sin and he looks to uh, david in psalm 19 verse 13 and it says also keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. 
let them not rule over me. Then I will be innocent and I will be blameless of great wrongdoing. You know, so how do we fight back against presumptuous sin? <laughs> the only way we can. We go to God in prayer. Yeah. Ask him to take that sin from us, to teach us to hate sin and love righteousness, the same things we do with every sin. Um, so I think we're going to finish this here before an hour and 15. Do you have any final thoughts? We got a couple minutes left on the sins of presumption. Mm, no, not really. Can... I'll just say, I mean, just consider your own life, right? Take your own life seriously. Don't get in the habit of dismissing sin. Don't just think it's a, it's a small sin. It's just gossiping with the girls at lunch. It's just, you know, dressing, you know, a little bit too revealing as a guy at the gym because you want to feel good, you know, gaze at yourself in the mirror. I don't know how many times I go to the gym and I'm watching guys out of the periphery of my eye and they're like staring at themselves in the mirror flexing. I'm like, if this was the nineties, I'd have certain words I was allowed to say, can't say those words anymore. Um, but you're like, give me a break, dude. Like, so look at your own self, you know, examine your own heart and see, you know, what are your sins that are presumptuous, whether they're big or small? Um, you know, what are the things that you just go, eh, well, God understands, you know, how, how many times have you heard a me and God got our own thing? You know, we've got our own thing worked out. I mean, as long as that thing is perfect submission to his will, <laughs> then sure, you got your own thing worked out. Otherwise, you need repentance in the blood of Christ. Um, so examine your own heart, be humble, go to God in prayer, um, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Um, so that's all we got for our sermon recommendation. As I mentioned, it will be Joel Webin, Joel Webin's, um discussion on should Christians leave blue states. So, you know, consider go giving that a listen, jumping on in the comments section, emailing us, coming to social media and letting us know what you think about it, what you think about what we think, what you think about what we think. And uh, we'd love to have that discussion going forward, but we'll be back on Monday, daily devotional, still going through the gospel of Luke. I think they're getting better as we draw near to the end of the gospel of Luke. Uh, so come give those a listen. And then next week, we'll be back. No promises. An hour and 15 minutes, we'll do our best. But no promises going forward. This was the most stressful episode I've had in some time. So we hope you guys have a great week. God bless. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association.